a priest, his brother, and a married guy walk into a podcast to discover the deepest truths of our day. If you're a seeker of ancient wisdom, interdimensional museums, and the Baltimore Catechism, then this is not the show for you. You're listening to the Untitled Catholic Podcast. And it starts right now. Untitled Catholic Podcast, episode 28. That, that was might my... have been the nerdiest intro I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I was trying to, like, you know how Justin always does, like, episode, untitled, Catholic podcast. I was doing As my best the monkey try... removes the goggles from my head. Uh... <laughs> Gordon Levin. <laughs> <laughs> that was me trying to imitate Justin, but I don't know if it worked. It worked in a different way. It didn't work in the way you wanted it to. But it, How do it you know how I wanted it? You can't read my mind. You know my I'm, name, not my story. I'm in your head right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, on this episode, we're supposed to have Father Rob, but it looks like he may be frozen. Oh, don't tell me I'm frozen again. Oh, no, you're not. You're no. not frozen at all. Perfect. Just all right, well, just, just let it go, <laughs> Father Sean. It turns out he was just being still. <laughs> Welcome back to the Untitled Catholic Podcast. Uh, in your role as a co-host, you've only been a co-host. You've technically never really been a guest because Justin's never been on when you've been on. Ooh, interesting. And here I am wishing that Justin were on. We're getting all kinds of technical here. Yeah, and then we have Joe Mancada, who's been a co-host. He's been a guest. He's oh. a he's like the Alec Baldwin of the Untitled Catholic Podcast. <laughs> That's a reference to Saturday Night Live. Some of you may not know what I'm talking about, and maybe or maybe not, I'll cut that out. Right. He may as well be a regular cast member. For the Basically. older people, he's like the Steve Martin. Because Steve Martin was an official cast member, but he was on a ton. Right. Oh exactly. I agree. Steve Thank Martin. you, Nolan, for uh, applying to an older generation. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> well, you're not much older than I am. No, I'm actually not that much older. We're in the same Father, decade, Father right? Father not that much older than I. No, but you just look older than I am. Uh, <laughs> I look older than both of you. <laughs> now, right now, I'm the youngest person on the podcast, which oftentimes isn't the case. I feel like this is going nowhere real fast. Real fast. You, know, you guys, you mentioned Steve Martin. Yeah, he plays you know the those, banjo. You know those master class tutorials? Yes. Yeah. You know he's offering the one like on comedy? And I yeah. can appreciate like Roxanne and everything. And I know that he's really respected in the industry. But I've never really found him funny. Really? Oh, see, I find him hilarious. Mm, I don't know. I just feel like he's smart and he's he's uh, he's like portraying good comedy. But I never really thought he was actually a funny guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what they say: those who can't do teach. And those who can't teach teach teaching. <laughs> or teach gym. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> that's a. But that's that's a reference true. from School of Rock. <laughs> we need... We need I'm a, sure a, there's a really smart gym teacher out there. I just haven't met them. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We, we need a sound effect for every time we <laughs> specifically throw under the bus a portion of the audience. <laughs> do you really think there's a... Do you think there's a gym teacher portion of our audience? There's got to be someone who is a gym teacher or knows a gym teacher. I mean, we all close. know a gym teacher because we all had a gym teacher. Right, but I'm saying like as close to a gym teacher. Um, Maybe. My favorite teacher ever was my gym teacher, one of my gym teachers. There you go. I'll tell you. So how's that? Does that redeem all the uh, gym teachers we just offended? I think so. Yeah. I th- as Do long as they have your blessing, that. Father Rob. Do we still need that <laughs> under the bus sound effect? 
It's got to be something really unique. <laughs> we, need, we need Michael Winslow from uh, Police Academy fame. The uh, guy that made all the noises. Yeah, 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 yeah. We lost the beeps, the sweeps, and the creeps. The what, the what, the what, and the what? The beeps. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, now you're dating yourself with the older references. Yeah, I mean, I, I wonder who our audience is. I would really love to know, like, what's the average age? All the stats that we have are about, like, who listens on iTunes. I feel like we could go in, though, and anyone listens who, who listens on a desktop computer is definitely older than 50. <laughs> yeah, possibly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, probably. Well, most of my the videos on petersboat.net, you know, it does well on Facebook sometimes, and then it says, this video is popular with women between the ages of 45 and 53. <laughs> <laughs> and, you're, and, and you're just like, nailed it. <laughs> just basic, like Catholicism, basically. Yes. <laughs> That's so funny. Popular with women between the ages of 45 and 53. Well, let me take this moment to say this, speaking of downloads and listeners. Father Rob, thank you very much for posting on your Facebook page. Because hey, right. since it being affiliated with Petersboat.net, especially that Monsignor McDonald episode, the the downloads have been on the uptick. Am I right, Father that Sean? Is, that is uh, that is definitely correct. That is correct. So now, so, your podcast is popular with women between the ages of <laughs> and I think that was already Welcome. the case, though. Nailed Welcome. it. <laughs> Welcome to Catholic Stardom, boys. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, I've, we've been to World Youth Day together, and there have been people who were not women from that age group who recognized you from the video. So, true, true. There are that's other people crazy. watching. How cool was it being approached by Shushan from Hungary, Father Sean? Remember those guys who made that video? Yeah, that's right. I remember that. And then people were getting mad at us because they were actually hungry. And we were looking for food. <laughs> that is so funny. And we came back and they're like, we're so hungry. And we're like, actually, we met people from hungry. Because <laughs> the, the filmmaker in us was like, oh, these guys are looking for a quote. We might as well give them a quote. And we're like talking to them. And they're like, um... It's nice that you're talking to people from Hungary, but we're actually hungry. <laughs> we should really we should really stay to the task here. We should really get this food and bring it back to our starving pilgrims. But they're that from was Hungary. before we realized we how bad it was gonna to... be though. Yeah, that that was that was uh was hour two of the four hour journey for food. Oh, yeah. We yeah. were at the halfway mark and we didn't even realize it yet. That vigil is always crazy. Something always goes wrong at that vigil, man. Yes. Always. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> I was so exhausted at the end of the vigil that at the end of the mass on the following day, you know, the day of the mass itself, when they announced the next World Youth Day, they're like, "It's going to be in Panama." I'm like the kids go crazy. I was like, "Yeah, they're looking like, yeah, Father Rob, Panama." I'm like, "Ah, I'm gonna need like another year and a half to get into that one." I'm, just, I'm exhausted right now. I'm like, uh, yes. I'm, not, "I'm not feeling it just yet." I'm like, "I'm not just. I'm looking to go. I want to. I want to go home." It's so funny. I'm like Panama. I'm like thinking. I just want to go to bed. <laughs> one, of, one of my favorite moments was on the walk back. Um, uh, one of the girls um, who who may listen, Kelly, she was like so excited. She's like, oh, Father Sean, are you going to go to Panama? And I was like, no. <laughs> 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 and she was like, 
really? Why not? And I was like, I can think of a lot of reasons why not. And she was like, well, what would be like, what would be like a reason that you would want to go? And I was like, because I, I know a little bit of Spanish. So that's that. That's like the only draw for me right now. I gotta, I gotta be honest. I've got my real like reservations about going to Panama for the World Youth Day. I think a lot of that experience of World Youth Day is what you're seeing culturally, like around the main event where the whole right. father shows up. And what are we gonna do? You go see the canal, <laughs> then you come, <laughs> and then you you see in the canal, and then uh, you know what do you do? I mean, you, you can always check the... out the canal. <laughs> what are you doing with that? <laughs> and what is there to do? What are we going to Panama for? <laughs> And now we've alienated a whole other section. All the Panamanians. The Panamanians that, are yeah, that listen to the right now. Well, see, the thing about it, is, and I was thinking about the same kind of thing. Like Madrid, like there's tons of of Spanish saints, right? Poland, all the all the Polish oh. saints that you get to go see. Like, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there is a saint from Panama, but if there is, I don't know him or her. Yeah, I don't know of any right now offhand. I, you know. I, I, I'm sure there are, are many, but I, I just <laughs> see. I, 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 have to do a little I research. I can't go to that one because they, I can't bring anybody. Our youth group at the parish is going to be in mm. school. So well, that's the other thing too. The time of year, yeah, it's weird. We have finals going on and stuff too. At the sea, I have even to if, see. Even if I wanted to go, I wouldn't be able to. So it's hard. World Youth Day is hard. Well, that's what, remember the first time I was on the podcast, we said there are two types of priests in the world, those who yeah. go to world do things and those who don't. Yes. I'm <laughs> starting to think I may be like, like transitioning into that sec, that group of those who don't. I don't know. I'm just, I'm getting a little tired. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I feel bad. You know, I want to be like, you know, the trooper. I don't know. How, t- how tempted were you to be like, you know, if somebody asked about it, like, oh, I don't know if it's happening this year. Ah, uh, I haven't. Oh, I think ex- they might be taking exactly- like a ten-year break from World Youth Day. That's how I'm responding. That is the, well, I've been <laughs> I've been saying things like I don't know. Let's see if they put a group together. We may be going to see what the diocese puts together. You know, we'll talk to so and so. I mean, I got some names. I'm like putting it on other people to make it happen. But I'm like, I don't know. I, I think it's the time <laughs> of the year and also just Panama. I'm not sure about the infrastructure. <laughs> yeah. of, of the country. I don't know. I've got my. I just don't know Panama. I just don't know Panama. I've been going to Peru with the kids a lot over the years. We go every summer, do some mission um, work I there. I hear they have a canal there. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I do. I actually do want to see the canal. I just don't know if. Uh, well, that's like Niagara Falls. Have you ever been room. to Niagara Falls? Yeah, yeah, I have. You go there and you're like, wow, that's that's really cool. Yeah. Now, now, what do we do? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess can you even like take a ride in the in the canal? Can we go in like the locks? You know, I don't know. Get a little malaria. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I really wonder. I mean, I see the pictures. They show old churches, you know, and I'm thinking like, hey, that's awesome. But I also want the kids to see, you know, the church alive. I don't know mm-hmm. what it's. I I just know that I'm not get. It, it's going to be hard for me to ask the pastor to let me go to Panama when I'm not bringing anybody. I got away with that once when you asked me to come. <laughs> I don't think I can pull that off twice. And he says, he's going to be, what, what young people you're bringing there? You're going to be like, Father, all the young people of the world. Right? <laughs> like, but who are you bringing there? <laughs> well, I'm not bringing anybody. <laughs> I'm not bringing anybody. <laughs> but now I'm going to bring us to the next segment. You see that segue? 
Wow. <laughs> we'll be we'll we'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to the Untitled Catholic Podcast. With us, as I said before, uh, is Father Rob. So, Father Rob, we know from the last time you were with us that uh, you are a high school chaplain. So what would you, like, if someone was wondering what does a, a high school chaplain do, what would be some of the things that you, that like, go on in, in, in St. John the Baptist where you're located? Hmm. Yeah, so uh, one of the um, three diocesan high schools, we have 10 Catholic high schools on Long Island, and I'm in one of the three diocesan. We have uh, 15 to 1,600 students co-ed, uh, obviously 9th through 12th is a high school. I'm moderator of a couple of different clubs. I moderate um, liturgical music, so it's more like a ministry in the school. We're getting ready for Ash Wednesday, so uh, learning some new songs with them, singing some, some Tomlin and some Matt Marr with them this year. They're excited about that, so... They play and sing beautifully. I love that a lot. Um, I grew up around music myself, too, so I enjoy participating in that with them. Also, I um, have a St. Andrew's Club. It's like a men's group, in a sense, in the school. So it really started as a vocations club, so I meet with these guys once a month and um, have some pizza and talk about, you know, not just male spirituality, but, you know, the faith and being men, trying to live it. And that's once a month they meet? Yeah, I pick a period during the... During the day and, and pull them out of class, I try to pick a, a period when most of them are either in lunch or in some free. But in any case, I get them out during the day and uh, we meet in the chapel. Um, also the Gianna Club, I love it very much. It's a Respect Life Club in the school, so I moderate that with another teacher in the school. Does that club meet um, after school or during school as well? Well, uh, sometimes during school on occasion for something special, but um, after school, either on Monday or Tuesday every other week thereabouts. Today we went to the Life Center in Deer Park. It was really wonderful. Uh, we went to the Gianna Center a couple weeks ago. Which is right across the street from you. Yeah. Uh, yes, from us here. And then St. Cyril Methodius, right across the street from them is uh, the Life Center in Deer Park. It's really great. So, I mean, it's really, really amazing. The This little group of students, about 20 of them, uh, getting like a real intense formation in the pro-life movement. Um. Um, and yeah, I make these videos for the kids in school, petersboat.net, uh, petersboat videos. I show them in the school on Fridays, so I'm starting to get the kids a little more involved with that. It's been really great, um, meaning like actually shooting the videos with them and putting the camera in their hands again and stuff like that. So I've been enjoying that. And, um, you know, of course, the sports, the world of sports. I get involved with the teams as much as I can. I can get as close to the teams as the coach lets me, basically. Um, so if I've got a good relationship with the coach, uh, then I can really get close to the, the teammates. Um, and um, I love that a lot. I love that relationship. You know, I grew up playing sports, so um, it's fun to revisit that whole world again. But just to support them and, and spend time with them in that place where they love to be. They like to be with their teams after school, so it's a, like a happy atmosphere. It's a little different than during that day between the bells you know, in the classes and stuff like that. So those are some of the things, you know, clubs um, and a little little social media work with them to the videos and stuff. And then uh, and then the world of sports, like the, the chaplain on the sidelines. You ever. Yeah. So that's what I've been doing. Do you ever get into the classrooms? 
Yeah, and then I get invited into the classrooms from time to time by some teachers. I'm going to the classrooms. I went in two days last week. I'm going in on Friday pretty much all day. A couple different teachers inviting me in. That's either like in direct relationship with some topic that they're teaching or to have a, a like ask Father Rob anything. Aren't those, aren't those the best? <laughs> they are the best. I love those. I have the kids write down questions before I go into the classroom. So when I go into the classroom, they've got like these pile of papers there and I sit in the front of the class. They just can't wait, you know, for you to open up their question. And <laughs> so I, that's that's one of my favorite things to do. I, I have that with um, the, the seventh graders in the school. I, I they oh, gave nice. me a list of questions that I try to answer every um, other week. I go in there, so I'll do Lexio Divina with them and then I'll mm. I'll answer the questions. Then I have um, with the eighth graders and the seventh graders in religious ed, I told them to do the same thing. They didn't really do it. Um, but sometimes I go in and they'll have a ton of questions or sometimes I'll walk in and the teacher will be like, oh, we were just going over this and they don't understand it. Can you explain it? And then like we kind of go mm. from there. I think, I mean, I always think that it's a lot of fun to be able to, to do that. And I always like when they ask like what they think to be a controversial question. And then we start answering like the questions that, they think that we don't want to talk about. Hmm. And I find that that usually gets them to pay uh, closer attention. Now, yeah, I, um, I find that too, uh, that if you're answering questions that they are asking, that they're interested. And I take that very seriously too, because we're always asking these days, like what moves the young people in terms of communicating the faith to them, right? You know, it's a matter of like, you know, does this thing answer questions that they're really asking? So, and... Um, you know, they, they so respond to to us when we're answering their actual questions that I think if we can get them to ask the questions that we asked when we were moved by the faith or the answers that we feel, or the questions rather that we feel that Christ answers, if we can get them to ask those questions, I think Christ would answer them for them. But it's a matter of getting them to ask the questions. Does that make sense? Yeah, I yeah. I and I, I think like but, but, but you can find those Certain questions can lend itself um, to those kind of answers. So, like recently in the seventh grade, we were having a conversation about like um, why priests can't get married, and I so I explained it, and they were all like very disappointed that I can't get married, and they're all afraid that I'm gonna like die lonely and be miserable and all this other kind of <laughs> stuff. And then I was talking about like. They're like, well, why can't you date somebody? And I was like, well, you date somebody because you're going to get married. And we're talking about this. And I was like, guys, what is the source of happiness? Like another person is not going to be a source of all of your joy and happiness. People make you upset. People make, you know. So then I started talking about Christ. And then like we went on this whole thing and they're like looking at me and it looks like they're paying attention. And I was like, does that make sense? And they're like, oh, yeah, that makes total sense. I was like, so now you like don't need to worry about me dating. And they're like, well, we just think it would be fun if you were able. And I'm like, oh, gosh, I feel like I just wasted. But like they you can see like and then in the eighth grade, they were asking me like one kid's like, why do I got to go to mass on Sunday? And I was like, great. And I started talking about like, um, you were like, like why you can't don't, I you just, just got to get right. ashes on Ash Wednesday? Yeah. Just- <laughs> 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 oh, it's just like Valentine's Day. It's a fake holy day of obligation. But, right. uh, <laughs> uh, but so I started talking and then they like all got quiet and they were like really into it. And it's, it's like one of these things where I, I think, I mean, you could comment on this as well. I think that when it comes to like, the thing that I find very hard is that 
you get them very interested in it. They listen. They hear what you're saying. You're planting the seed, but like they're not gonna. They're not necessarily coming yet. But I don't think that's like a bad thing. I mean, I obviously I think people should be going to mass, but like I think that like a lot of times our frustration as a society or as a church is that we're not seeing the results that we have carved out, but that God is working in, in, in these young, at least in this specific situation, we're talking about young people. God is, God is working in, in these young people. And we have trust that as we deliver the message that they, they receiving it. And then when they call, when they come to answer it, it may not be right in front of us, but it doesn't mean that it's not going to happen that I, I have a lot of hope, when it comes to those kind of things. What, what do you have to say about that? I have to believe that too. I mean, I, I really think these days I'm trying, like hearing what you're saying, one of the things that's helping me is to say, if a few students are being formed deeply in a sense, you know, if, um, if I can't reach all of them with some sort of cultural movement that is Catholicism that we imagine like in the 50s or something like that, if I can't do that, um, then let me, yeah, like you're saying, work with those who can hear like when jesus used to say something like uh you know let those who have ears hear that kind of thing you know like if like to say to the students if you can hear this that's what i actually say that sometimes i preface like a little if i'm speaking about the faith in some way to them and i might say to them sometimes like if you can hear this it's i'm actually married to the church or something like that you know right um so, and just trying to pray for the grace to be content that a few may be hearing that and not, you know, if I do see some kid in the back of the class with this blank stare, not to get completely discouraged. <laughs> just trying to like, just to know that some kids are, uh, the kids are different. That I, I can't say all kids are like this, all young people are like this, all, the, all of my students are like this. You know, some, and, some of these students are just amazing and then others are just still sort of just beginning. And know? I would add too that like having worked with teenagers for so long, like, and probably now more than ever, they are so good at masking their, um, you know, their feelings and their their reactions to things. Mm. I can't tell you how many times we've had retreat at school, or I've given a talk, or we've done some kind of campus ministry activity, and I just walk away thinking, "Wow, this thing totally bombed. Nobody paid attention. Nobody cared. Like it didn't move anything." And then mm. like here, like all these uh you know then then get some feedback from the kids and hear like the total opposite like that was awesome i'm so happy you did that i i, I just recently mm-hmm. i was with a bunch of kids and we had been doing um some journaling and uh i was like i don't know if this is working like i feel like they hate this i feel like they hate this silence i feel like they hate this you know these journal promptings and and i'm like hmm. this is this is a dud so i asked them i said I was like guys be honest with me completely honest with mm-hmm. me just tell me, do you, do you like the silence? Every single one of them raised their hand. I'm like, really? I'm like, I'm mm. giving you a chance. We could, we could do drop this and do something else. And mm. they're like, no, no, it's good, it's good. And I was like, I like the way you, I like the way you ask them too. I'm I'm not a huge you know proponent of or a fan of the uh, the. Uh, surveys, that kind of thing. Like, let's mm-hmm. survey them and all that. I mean, I don't think you necessarily need to always survey them after things, but I like the way you said to them, guys, just be honest with me, you know, how's the silence working for you? Is this, I mean, I'm just curious. I mean, I know I love it, but what, you know, what are you guys, how, how are you experiencing yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't planning on doing it. I love that. I wasn't planning on, on asking them. It just kind of came out of almost like my own frustration. Because I was Because <laughs> like, you don't get any reaction. 
Yeah. And I was like, I just, I need to know. I needed to know. It was like, and, and I. Yeah, and, but even, even as you spoke to them, like you spoke to them, I think as, you know, from one man to another, in a sense, like you spoke to them as human beings. I think that moved them. I think they love that. I think they, you know. Everybody loves these, that. Just. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, it's a, it's just that human interaction is still at the heart of the human experience. I mean, mm-hmm. as much as these kids live in these with these abstractions, there's always a screen between them and reality, right? These days, right? Um, that that human re- reaction or interaction, rather, always uh, breaks in. You know, I think it's always a like I don't want to say effective as if I'm trying to accomplish something in these kids, but like it always at least. Uh, I guess gets their attention. I mean, moves them at least to pay attention to what's before them. That's what I mean. You know, when you speak to them, if you speak to them, they'll listen. Yeah. If you're just speaking, if you're speaking to like the youth of today, they're going to no. tune you out. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> and I think that's yeah. one of those things that's so important. And I think that's something that's inter um, intergenerational. I mean, we, we were having a conversation recently where we were kind of talking about like, um, uh, what's it called? Like, like strategies and how, like, you know, you guys were talking about how, uh, this generation is very different and you find that it's, there's a learning curve, I guess would be a way to say it, a learning curve of how to, to talk. It's, it's like things that you guys would do in youth ministry 10 years ago are not things mm-hmm. that would be done now. And what we were talking about, like to fill in everybody else. Um, about how like you were you were both saying how you used to have these deep conversations with your friends about existence and God and you know and then I was thinking about like I don't think I started having those conversations until I was in college and you know I'm I'm only like I'm I'm ten years younger or less than both of you um, so it's it's like just those ten years for me is a is a big difference as well and it doesn't it, and like I think. I really am a firm believer of like numbers are not important. I mean, like we shouldn't be doing things that are failing, but like people walked away from Christ. So who are we to think that they shouldn't walk away from us or they're not going to walk away from us? Right. Yeah. And I think if you look at all the saints who um, were effective and those holy people, like even from more recent times, modern times, you know, were effective with young people. You're gonna see they go through periods of frustration as well too. You know, nobody's ever entirely effective always. Well, I just got this uh, biography on Luigi Giussani, the founder of the movement Communion and Liberation, and it's a beast of a book. <laughs> it's like gonna take me months to read it, but it's amazing to learn that he too, after really animating the young people, you know, being involved in schools, um, really animating them and even creating a little movement among them. Um, they then got uh, sort of swept away for a period of time uh, by the sort of like a little more common uh, cultural enthusiasm. Uh, it was more politically oriented, like the way our students also, they might be moved spiritually on a retreat, but then get swept away by the sort of popular culture, which is ultimately more sort of politically motivated or um, uh, I guess where... It, it leans less on God, but leans more on our own ingenuity and, and, and strength. Um, so he went through that as well, too. He, he ultimately did found an, a, an extraordinary movement, but then you see him also going through this period of like, ah, oh, the kids are, I had them, but, you know, but I've lost them. But they, in a sense, 
the core remains and then it grows from there you know yeah and it's not really lost as much as like we don't know 20 years from now someone could be in a position where they'll be like you know looking at uh driving by a church and being like you know i remember when i was in biology class and father rob came in to talk about whatever he kind of said this i'm gonna go in and pray you know what i mean like Mm. God, mm. God is timeless, so we don't know how he's you know working. Like? You know, 400 kids walk across the stage for graduation. I embrace most of them as they you know, either shake their hand or embrace them. You're embracing most of them. So say you embrace 250 of them um, you know, as they're graduating, which means like what a great blessing it was to get to know you. God bless you. Do well. I'm grateful for our time together here at St. John's. And then you get phone calls from about 25 of them around the holidays, and maybe about 15 of them ask you for lunch, you know, like or dinner when you're when they're home on break mm-hmm. or something like that, you know. But you're not going to get all 250 saying, "I need to talk to you every time I'm home." And they, but I really believe that they can remember you in a sense and have you in their heart, and you know, I remember them. Right. I mean, you know, they're gonna they're the priest in my school who who believed what he said. You know, who believed, um, who seemed to believe that Christ was someone who makes your life better in every way, you know, and also uh, who believed in, in eternal life. So it wasn't even afraid to, to not only talk about death, but even to bury our classmates as they commit suicide, you know, or as they, they lose loved ones or die in car accidents. Like, if they don't remember that, then, you know, I can't imagine what they take away from them, you know. But I, I, I do think... Um, or from the experience of the school. I do think that even though we don't hear from them all the time, you know, they've, they've met you, and then that's, that's it, you know. Now, I'm, I'm also very grateful to have met them, so I wanted to say that as well. I, 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 one of the students asked me uh, the other day when I was in the classroom, it was like an Ask Father Rob anything. One of the students asked, if we could see your thoughts, or if people could see your thoughts, would you have more friends or less friends? Which I thought was a great question. He was just trying to be funny, but I'm like, that's a great question. And I said, I'd actually, I actually think I'd have more friends, at least in this school I would. I said, because I think those who believe that I have good intentions respond to me. And they say, hey, Father Rob, you know, what are you doing? And how are you? And then they, you know, they let you draw near to them. Um, and then there's some who kind of snub you a little bit. Those who are a little like, whatever, priest. I don't want a priest friend. I'm in high school. Thanks, but no thanks. Hmm. But I, I think a lot of times if those people could see my thoughts, I think they would see that I would love to be friends with them, even if they're like in the, you know, in sin, even if they're doing drugs, or even if they're, you know, sleeping with their girlfriend or their boyfriend or something. I, they probably think I'm, a, I'm condemning them. The priest thinks we're all going to hell, or the church is anti-gay, or the church is, you know, that whole thing. Um, but if they could see my thoughts, they would see that that's that's not a, mm. not the truth of it. But I would just love to just for one conversation with them. I would just love for a little friendship with them, no matter what state in life they are and uh so you know just to say like uh we're never going to get everyone to respond to us the way we would have them but um but i'm so grateful for at least for the time i do get to be with them yeah so well you know i I don't want to backtrack completely but just along the lines of what we were saying before about um you know never knowing really whether they they come back or not or you know whether whether we lose them or or whatever one thing that I can say from experience that gives me a lot of hope when things feel like they're not working or not clicking or, you know, we, we, we question whether we're making a, a difference. 
I know personally a number of young people who were in my youth group, who were um, kids in my in my ministry, um, who were there, and I was like, like we had them, and and they they were on fire, and and then for whatever reason walked away from it when they they left high school, and they they you know went the way of the world, and you know you're really worried had some bad things happen to them, and specifically some ones that have bad things happen to them, it never fails. They return back to the church and turn back to the youth group like Mm. the ones that really hit rock bottom it's like just naturally they go back to that experience of and and that's why i know that that they're really meeting jesus and they're really encountering christ in what we're doing thank god not not necessarily because of anything we do but but because of what he does um and that has given me Mm. a lot of hope in recent years um, that that in these really crummy situations where kids really um, just got out of control and, and and wound up in bad places, those very ones found their way back, and it was almost like like the the best time in my life was that time that I was I was a part of that church community and that 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 time that I was um, you know kind of doing that Catholic thing. That was when. I brought the most I had the most joy and I want that again I know I know that that's missing you know they're not saying that to me verbatim but that's like that's how that's what I get from that hmm and, and I think that part of the conversion process has those built-in relapses mm-hmm. like have you guys read the screw tape letters mm-hmm. yes yeah, so that 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 one letter where the guy is kind of like in the wrong crowd, and and screw tape is warning mm. uh, Wormwood like don't don't like rest on your laurels because if he bounces back from this, then basically it's over. Mm. And that idea that like mm. you know you have a conversion and there's like a certain high that comes with that, and then as reality settles back in, you kind of fall backwards. And I and I like being a part of um, RCIA in the parish, um, and and some of some young people who are a part of that, or you know, just not not necessarily young people. I know we're talking about young people, but not necessarily young people. You see people who are like on fire for the faith. They come in, they want to become Catholic, blah blah blah, and then like a few months after they. Um, a few months after they have their conversion, they're like back at what they were doing before. And and I think that they, they think that there's a yeah. certain amount of magic that goes with it. Um, like that, like, oh, and once I have my conversion, then then that's it. I'm, I'm like, uh, I'm done and I'm I'm I'm, I'm going to be fixed. And all the problems I had before were because I didn't have God in my life. But now I have God in my life. So all those problems are going to go away. Well, the problems don't go away. Right. I see this all throughout the year, just even saying Mass in the parish where I'm in residence on Sundays. You know, if you include the experience of, like, the Thanksgiving season, you know, Christmas, you know, Easter, where people may come around for the first time in a while, or a funeral Mass or baptism, where you meet people, they're moved by you and your priesthood, and then they start coming to Mass on Sunday, to your Mass. They find out when you're saying Mm -hmm. Mass, and there they are. There's that face, and it's two weeks, and it's three weeks. That's the fourth week. That's a month. It's five weeks, and then... They're gone. Yeah, I was just thinking always, about that today. Not, yeah, not not always, but that happens all throughout the year. Priests see this cycle with like I think you could say maybe 30, 40 people do this throughout the year. You make a friend, 
and then there they are, and you think this is the this is the year of their life when they you know this is the one, the, the time in their life they're gonna look back and say this is when I really allowed Christ to befriend me, my life was forever changed. But then sometimes they go away. When they stay, it's amazing, and you're you're just witnessing what Christ is doing, and it's the most beautiful thing. And I've got so many people that I can picture thinking about that right now, how people do stay sometimes. But there are always those throughout the year who come and then you say, I wonder if I'll see them next week. And then, they, then they're not there and you go, ah, it's one, of, it's one of those. It didn't take. It didn't take. At least not yet. What do you think? I, you I was literally just thinking about this today because there was a girl that mm. has no affiliation with anything that uh, is to do with the parish or, uh, or Stony Brook, the university that I'm associated with, uh, Stony Brook University, where I'm the chaplain right now. Um, and so this was somebody that I, I had seen in like, um, like in my, in my daily life, if you will, like, so you like, you know, whether it was going to a store, I won't say where it was just in case, but like, so it would be like going to the store or going to a restaurant and seeing the same waitress or whatever it may be. So I kept seeing this person regularly and I kept inviting them like they were like, oh, well, you know, I used to go to mass at St. Pat's, but I don't really go anymore, blah, 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 blah. So I kept inviting her to come. And then I saw her and it was like a few uh, weeks in a row that she was there and she was like, oh, I'm so happy to be back, blah, 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 blah. And then like um, she got a new job. So I didn't see her in the regular place that I saw her anymore. And then she stopped showing up at mass and I haven't seen her mm. In a really long mm. time. And then, like, I saw her again once and I said hello. And then she kind of looked like she was trying to, like, run away. As if she was, like, thought I was going to be mad at her or something. And then, like, I haven't seen her. And I was literally just thinking about her um, yeah. today. And then when you yeah. bring that up, it's like I should be praying more for her. Well, that's, that's another example of, like, if people could see my thoughts. I would want them, when I see them, if they've been away, if they fell away, they're thinking that we're saying, oh, so ashamed of you. You know, ashamed of you. How can you even look? Look at me, you know, you were coming to Mass and now you're not. Right. I wish they could see my thoughts, which are just like, oh, even now, like if you come back, I would love to see you again, you know. Just yeah. Come on, just come back, you know, just come back, you know. You know what the person needs, though, people need in order to remain? What? Community. And that's a perfect segue to the next <laughs> segment. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Untitled Catholic Podcast. We left you by talking about um, people leaving the church. And one of the things that Father Rob said is like our cliffhanger was creating community. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on on that very topic. I'm just thinking about even this last Sunday as we heard about this leper who's who like breaks Christ's heart because not because of his skin condition or his immune system but because of his being exiled from the community and out you know and Christ Christ sees in all of us a deep desire for communion nobody wants to be alone you know and he knows that about us so he heals this man and brings him back into community restores his relationship to the community and i'm just thinking 
that this is, I think, what all of us want more and more, to belong to a community, to belong to a people. No one wants to be alone. Just the other day, I uh, went in with the juniors into the city. We um, took them in there for a little day of prayer and day of fun, went ice skating and then made some ice cream. And um, we went and said Mass at St. Pat's. Really beautiful. So I was able to say Mass at Our Lady's altar there. And um, But anyway, the one student was with us uh, who, I, I think she's always a little bit on the outs, never really in community with the kids. So even on the way there, like this group is sitting over here together and she'd be sitting apart, um, walking through the streets. This group is walking together and she's walking apart. So I always was drawing near to her, just talking to her, and my heart breaks for her. And on the way home, after the whole day out there with them, and her in particular, on the way home I sat with her on the train or across from her on the seat, and it was really beautiful. She was opening up and she was talking about her relationship with her parents and her love for her father, and, and then showing me pictures of her dogs and stuff on her phone, and it was adorable. And she just I never really heard her speak so much, and I just was so happy that she felt loved and even just part of the day, part of the community. So I think when we talk about the church, when we talk about people coming to Mass, when we talk about the students responding to us, I do think what we're talking about is our desire, like as a people these days, to, be re- to have our relationship with these communities restored, my relationship to the school restored, my relationship with my family, my relationship to the church, you know. So I think because everything tends to isolate us so much, like the way we live and all things that kind of distract us on the day-to-day or the things we really belong to, which are oftentimes these sort of pseudo-communities like like YouTube subscriberships and stuff like that, you know, these kind of communities. Um, Casey Neistat can call his subscribers a community all he wants, but, I mean, I don't think it's really a satisfying experience of community, these online communities. Oh, these are podcasters and everybody who listens to their favorite podcasters. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know these guys. They don't know me. I thought we were I friends. recognize them if I bumped into them on the streets. <laughs> well, we are because we see each other and know each other. <laughs> but that's the thing. It's like I can be inspired by talks and I can be moved by people and taught and educated by people. But then to really belong mm-hmm. to a people requires community. It requires heart-to-hearts and one-on-one so conversation. I say, yeah, and even if it's like... even if it's the mass which brings us into communion with other people then it's Christ a person in that Eucharist right who's making this communion possible so I can really experience communion with people from around the world but again there's a person at the heart of that communion so there's a real communion but it's communion and so like we said I say mass in the school every day and those kids who come to mass with me in the morning those teachers we have communion with each other because of that, that mass that's why it's so important or even like this year with confessions moving from that kind of like big auditorium experience of just like a bunch of priests on either side of the auditorium and trying to get the kids to go to the priest for confession and they can just be quiet in the meantime while they're waiting to go. Instead of that, bringing in a few good priests during their lunch periods, sitting in eyesight of these students and inviting them to sit down with the priest so that they can have a good conversation or to communicate well, you know, or an experience of communication so they can feel that they've been heard, that they're with someone who sees them, knows them, understands them, loves them, and then they can feel part of something. I had this conversation with a priest that was so life-giving, and I feel almost Mm. as if my relationship with the church were restored. So, but anyway, I think it's 
I just would start with that, with like in terms of community. I think what we want when we talk about Christ and about the church is community. I mean, I think it's what we want. Not that the community is necessarily the thing that's mm. going to make it happen. I think it's the thing yeah, we want. Yeah, no, it's, it's built in us. The reality <laughs> is, is that we are, we're made for communion. We're made for relationship, real relationship. We're made to work together and to, to team up and to, to, to build things together and to, to talk about it and discuss it and, and the good and the bad. And the reality is also that, that most kids are not getting that. A lot of kids out there, even in their families, you know, we live in the in a world where kids are in a million sports and extracurricular activities. They're never having meals with their families. You know, the technology is as much as we we say it's it's gotten in the way of, of young people's ability to communicate. It's also gotten the way of, of parents' ability to communicate too. You know, it's it's whereas you know you had to create your own family entertainment. Now, like everyone can be in their own room watching their own show, watching their own phone or device. So like. That's the reality for a lot of young people and a lot of people in general is that even at home, they're not experiencing true community. They're just kind of like cohabitating with their families. They're not really having like a real um, community, a real a real familial life. And so when they get a taste of that on a retreat or on a, um, a, a, a mm, mission yeah. experience or even in the day-to-day it, even more so should be in mm-hmm. the day-to-day of, of a, mm-hmm. a school or youth group or whatever or a church community that that's exactly like you said that's what they're looking for and that is going to open their eyes to god and to the the church because he was the one that put that desire and that need for them in the first place and i think when you talk about like the, the the YouTube community and like the Facebook community and the Twitter community and the Snapchat community, like we always have to keep in mind that these things are monetized. These things are meant to be like addicting to keep people mm-hmm. using them because then advertisements and, and different things are sold to people on them. So the intention of 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 something like Facebook or Twitter or all of those things, the intentions may have started out to connect people. And yeah, they can do that. Like I can see my cousin's kids. I could see pictures of them where normally I wouldn't be able to see that. But it's not like being with them. So you know, the, 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 the Subaru community. Father Lachlan and I and Twitch Justin are all part of that Subaru. And, and Claire and Claire, who sings at our parish, she's part of the Subaru community as well. I can't. I can't. Another podcast for another time. I can't. They're taking Subaru over. Community. He's got to stop. Just, I, I'm one of these. I'm one of these proud members of the Volkswagen community, even though even though they scandalized half the face of the earth with a ridiculous <laughs> clean diesel scandal. <laughs> I still I still love Volkswagen. I'm like whatever. And, I'm, and like, I'm, I'm a priest. I forget community, so that Let's makes go. me somewhat of a hermit, I guess. I got a guy. That's why I drive a Subaru. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm like I'm like the the Anthony of the so desert of of, uh, of communities <laughs> of car communities. <laughs> well, I drive the I drive a Kia. Like right, that's yeah, like I'm... that's like everyone's talking about their <laughs> iPhones, so and you come and you're like, hey, look at my Zune. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what did I hear? Somebody said today, I don't have an, I don't have an iPhone. What the? Oh, I don't have an Apple. I have an orange. That's what I said. I don't have an Apple. I have an orange. That's what she said. She's like, she's. I'm not, I don't have apples. I use the orange. It's very funny. No, I, I like your I like Kia, by too. the way. It's a very nice car. 
I, w- I wish I wish That's I wasn't nice. gonna be paying for it for the mm. next ten years. <laughs> <laughs> That's another topic for another time. But oh I think my gosh. I, I really I really do like it's it's so simple and it's so obvious and yet it's it is so crucial and so key to like the, I think what we do, whether it be in a school or in youth ministry or just as a parish priest. Um the the more we can create a real genuine loving community it's going to put all those other communities that people try to fill in the gaps with um to shame mm-hmm. all of them mm-hmm. college fraternities and sororities fraternities and sororities what do you want what are you looking for i had a mother on the phone practically in tears about the fact that her son wants to pledge a fraternity and i love this guy he's a good guy and it's true it's like what are you looking for what do you want I think the community of the church is something beautiful because all the people from all the different sororities and all the fraternities can belong to it, you know. I like that about it. I think it's a great magnanimous community, the church, where even if you belong to this particular club, you're welcome here. It's like has room for all. It's just beautiful. But it's true. Like what are they, what are the Automatic college students friends. looking for when they pledge fraternities Friendship without the work, without the effort. Yeah, I mean, you know, well, damn, they put a lot of effort in for those. I mean, I, I, mean, I can't believe... The, the lengths they'll, they go to to belong to this community. I mean, ridiculous the way they even allow themselves to be oh, abused. Oh, I'm, I'm not denying that. Hazed. I'm just saying that, like, you know, I, compared to, like, a real I, friendship, which takes years and years and years to build upon. No, nah, yeah. yeah. But, but, yeah, you know, there, right. there's... It's it's horrible what they'll, what they'll go through. It's sad. But it's you're right about it, the fact that a real relationship is something that, yeah, takes takes a lot of time to develop and I think it just speaks to what we all want though I think no one wants to be alone I think we all want to belong to something we may I mean God it, you know, God like is in relationship yeah like the Trinity is a relationship so and we're made in the image and likeness of God so it's like it's it's written in us to be in relationship with him and 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 one another yeah yeah, that's why we say we're made for love. I mean, God, we say God is love. Not that he's this feeling or this sentimental mm-hmm. regard for people, but he's right. he is love. He's a fa- he's father, a community, a communion of persons. So, yeah, so we're, we're made for this is right, you know, made for love like that. So the kids come alive, like you said, Nolan, in this experience of communion. And I think right there is the key. You want to talk about evangelizing this next generation, this, this group mm-hmm. of people called the iGen. I mean, after the millennials, right? You know, friendship. You know, friendship. I think friendship is the most important thing to them. I see it in the high school, obviously. You know, you see it in the college students. Friendship. And um, and even um, even this intense social media communication to be liked to post everything I do, to just put everything I do on display for others to see. Yeah. Man, just longing to be seen and to be known, to be recognized. My gosh. And and, and it's it's really so, and it's really so we, it's replacing the desires and there. It's, it's doing a very yeah. poor job of replacing. But it's replacing you know, that that heart to heart. It's replacing like because yeah. kids yeah. I mean again I, I hate to keep saying kids because it's not it's adults too but it's it's even more prevalent in the young people we we post things to to get attention and and say things and bring things up online in, in social media posts that we wouldn't 
in like a regular face-to-face one-on-one conversation and um, <laughs> you, you know i like, know exactly i'm thinking of a couple examples right now like i know i know young people who are saying things online and post that they would never bring up if they were face to face because they still know on some level like this is something that i need to talk about with somebody i care about but they don't have any practice in that they don't know how to do that they they that has escaped them and so it's this false like phony you know, replacement mode of doing that. And it, and it sucks for lack of a better term. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. And it, and ultimately it betrays them in a sense, you know, it, like it, it promises something that it will not right. deliver. It will not fulfill what they're looking for. But this is where the church comes in. I really think not to say that, I mean, this is the Benedict option. This guy saying that, ultimately only when the whole thing bottoms out will the church then begin to move people i don't necessarily think the church has to always be just the answer to despair in a sense you know or there to pick up the pieces i think you can be moved by the church just by some of these beautiful joyful experiences of life too like new birth and baptisms and you know um mm-hmm. you know you have the desire you're falling in love with someone and wanting to get married you know the church can come to answer these other desires as well too but there is something to be said for the fact that a lot of what's happening now is the sort of popular media, the 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 the, the culture, it betrays us, and then we look for some other place to truly satisfy us, and we look to the church a lot of times. So, the church is there almost like a, to pick up the pieces in that sense, and especially with the young people today. I mean, these things are they can experience the betrayal. That suicide rate is higher than it's ever been. Interestingly, in the book iGen by Twenge. I read uh, that the teen pregnancy rate is lower than it's been in a long time, and people might say that's education or that's contraception, mm. but it's really because the kids aren't really with each other. And I, I, jo- I jokingly say, you know, they're trying to, you know. But you know, the point is like they're not even with each other, and when they are with one another, right? Uh, maybe they don't know how to even really capitalize on that to say it in some way you know like in other words they don't they're not necessarily so moved by the reality of intimacy because they live all the time with this counterfeit version of it in the world of pornography or in the way that they sext each other and stuff like that on on, you know they date three or four times showing themselves to one another at least physically and then and then deciding if they want to meet actually you know in person in any case when they actually meet the reality of intimacy, they oftentimes can't even perform. They find themselves disappointed with the actual experience of it because it doesn't look like that fabricated version that they see all the time mm. and have trained themselves to desire through pornography. So yeah. in any case, it's betraying them in that way. Like what they spend a lot of time, it just betrays them. And then, but then here's the thing, like, you know, can, can the human person begin to love reality again and this i think is also interesting with regard to the drug use and all the drinking with i think the drinking scene i've described it as like just it levels the social playing field so that you don't have such anxiety about where you went to school what town you're from whether your parents are married or divorced you know whether you have a gay brother or sister or not you know like we'll just all go out we'll get drunk so there's no shame because now we're all foolish no one can use their reason we're all irrational so I could say the stupidest thing and make a fool of myself, but it doesn't matter because we all are. But at least we're not competing with each other. Someone here is smarter than another person. Someone comes from a better home or family. You know, just go out and get drunk. You level the playing field, 
and then you just remove all the, the social anxiety. Nothing productive comes from it. There's nothing fruitful that comes from this. There's not even real human interaction. Just empty shells of people bumping into each other and abusing one another. But in any case, at least we're not anxious. At least there's no fear. So I think there's a, a, a real hiding that goes on, a running away, a fleeing from reality that goes on in that drinking scene, but also with drugs. Like, what are you looking for? They want a heightened experience of reality. They want... I want my music to sound better. I want jokes to be funnier. Yeah. I want people to look prettier. You know? And we all want that. You know, we all want, like, more. I want, I want life to be more. Like we said, we spoke a little while ago about how when we were younger, and you were mentioning this, Father Sean, when we were younger, yeah. we, we were, like, amazed at life. Life was amazing. Like, when I was a kid, pizza, pizza was amazing. <laughs> You know, and so was pizza. <laughs> like everything, everything, you, everything you you did for the first time was amazing. Everything you you tasted. I was I went through this whole phase of like just banging out chickpeas. You couldn't, I couldn't have enough chickpeas. And then I moved on to like black olives. You know, and then I was having like cucumbers with cheddar cheese on top. Everything because why? It was the first time I was like this. I'm like this is excellent. And every everything you spend so much time with it just becomes a little. A little bland. So we, especially around the, you know, what times this happen in our lives? Like when we become like teenagers. So things get, we're just used to things. We've been doing these things for years now. So we want to like renew that experience, renew that wonder. So a lot of times we turn to like drugs. Or we'll turn to drinking or something. This I think is the wisdom of the church in confirming us in our teenage years or around our teenage years. Because what we really want now is to move from that like initial wonder into a lasting and real wonder which Christ offers us. So it's like, come Holy Spirit. Because if you don't come Holy Spirit, I'm going to start getting high. And that, and that high is just going to you know, disappoint me and I'll try some other drug. You know? And then that one will disappoint me and won't deliver and then I'll try some other drug. And maybe I'll despair altogether and commit suicide or something. Like I buried so many heroin overdoses in my first parish because I was out in that area in Valley Stream. And, you know, what are people looking Like, what are you looking for when you're doing heroin? What do you, you bury someone who's, what were you looking for? I think they're looking for God. I think that, believe it or not, I know it sounds ridiculous, but I think they were looking for a, a confirmation, you know, the experience of the Holy Spirit, ideally, you know. Of course, I realize what that experience most often is for teenagers. But in any case, the wisdom is still there. If, you know, what we're looking for in that time in life is to have the wonder renewed so a little distraction, I know, from talking about community and everything, but I think in the communion of the church, and that's what the Holy Spirit comes to create, right? Communion with God and with one another. I think we can have our wonder restored. Let me just say it this way, and then I'll stop talking. I know I'm talking too much. I really, I really think that the first time I experienced the Holy Spirit, which brought me into communion with God and to, and to communion with the church, was during that time after college. And that happened because I got involved with the youth group at the parish, and I started working with the homeless a little bit and going to daily mass. And it was the, the, all these faces, all these faces I associate with this time of my life. These are people. I had these new friendships with these, with these Christians in this church. I don't remember the homilies. I don't remember what I was reading at the time. I just remember these faces and these people. And it, it was this relationship with this community. I just went to a wake this past week of a woman... I saw on Facebook she passed, and I ran to the wake. I was like, I knelt at her coffin. I'm like, I love you. Thank you. She's an older woman of the parish whom I loved because she was a face that I recognized at this time in my life when I was drawing near to the church. And I thank her for her example and her prayers and her witness. She was a very quiet woman, only said 12 words to me my whole life. But I love everything about her and the, and the because her face, her face 
to me is it was the face of Christ at this time when I was meeting him. But in, in any case, that time in my life, the wonder was restored. Uh, music was more music. Food was more food. You know, people were pretty. I mean, jokes were hilarious again. After all these years of trying to fabricate that again in high school and in college, I was experiencing it as being renewed by the church. That's my, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Sorry. It's a, I know it's a lot. So it's... Well, th- two things that, that made me think of. One was um, the screw tape letters again, which I, I incorporated into my midnight mass, uh, my Christmas homily, um, that I think I delivered best at midnight mass. But that idea that like um, in the beginning of the screw tape letter, screw tape says to Wormwood, whenever he starts thinking about these big ideas, distract him with real life. Like, you know, point to the fact that he's hungry and he shouldn't be thinking about these Mm. things on an empty stomach. Then make him think about when's the next train coming and all these other things that he thinks are are real life and more important to think of. It's like, well, the spiritual life is real life. The spiritual life, if if God is who he says he is, if Christ is who he says he is, you know, this then this is real and it is as real as it gets. And like you said before, all the other things are fabrications of reality. And and I thought of that. I, I'm pretty sure it's G.K. Chesterton. I was trying to look it up, and I and I and I think it is um, that every man who knocks on the door of a brothel is seeking God. That that idea. That, that, mm. Yeah, I, I, I love that. You're looking. That's what for, I, that's what I think it is for God I, in, I in, the, in the wrong places, and I I just think that. Um, However we can convey that message is, is, is the goal. Whatever we can do to, to let people know that this is real and we're going to do our best to love you and the love that we have for you ultimately is, is a reflection of the love that, that God has for you. Like I can't love you perfectly and I'm going to let you down and I'm going to screw things up or whatever it may be, but, but God isn't like that. And I trust that he's not like that. So why don't you take a walk with me and we'll try to like trust him together. Nothing beats that. Nolan, would, being married, would you say that this is a beautiful way to describe marriage? Because as, as opposed to like the world's image of two people taking the place of God, which happens so often, two people rather walking to God together, wouldn't you say? I know what you're saying. I think uh, two things. I think that... Number one, one of the best things I ever heard um, before I got married was that, um, you know, to understand that you're there, there's no such thing as a soulmate. Um, there may be somebody that God has set aside for you who's the one as far as like the one you're supposed to marry. Like the sure, best option, be. you mean? Like the yeah. best option? But, the, but as far as like someone, a soulmate who's going to just be that perfect fit and who's gonna you know you know make all your problems go away and who's who's um you know ultimately you can't live who, who you can you can't just can't live without you know we don't we don't believe in that because god is that person for us god god is is who you know um gets us through all the tough times god is who um, is perfect for us. God is the, the the perfect soulmate for each one of us. So there's that. And then there's also this idea um, to like what you were saying, Father Rob, about, you know, two people going towards God. 
you know, it was explained to me, and I use this to this day on confirmation retreats when I explain, um, you know, how the sacraments work. You know, if, if we're all on a on the the side of a cliff and and we we have our our rope, then we're 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 pulling ourselves up, and 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 heaven's on the other side of that rope, and, and we're we're working. We're like, our spouse has a rope as well. They're they're also climbing up that hill, um, but you know the sacrament of marriage is like God taking our two ropes and tying them together and making this this thicker tighter braid um we're, we're both still on that journey together we're both, both mm, still on that journey nice. we're both we we can both still fall um and let go um God forbid but um it's a, it's a lot easier and a lot um nicer to be climbing up that 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 hill together with this stronger thicker rope and when we're focused when we're focused and working together we can get up so much better and so much easier than when we're alone does that make sense yeah i like that idea hmm. i i really uh and those those, like those two images have, have really really uh helped me a lot in my marriage i i see a connection here to like this greater idea we're talking about like as far as community um you know we when a when a married couple, and this is what we see a lot as priests when they come in for counseling or you see the divorces happening, when a married couple loses sight of God and begins only to look mm. at one another and, d- and just tries to squeeze God out of each other, of course they're going to disappoint one another. Like if my wife will never love me as perfectly as Mary can love me mm. and my husband will never love me as much as perfectly as Jesus can love me. You know, Jesus is the man every woman's looking for and, and Mary's the woman every man's looking for, this kind of thing. You know, in a sense, you know, this... If if I were to take my eyes off of God, if my spouse and I were to take my eyes or take our eyes off of God, we begin to necessarily try to try to draw or extract God from this other person, and I think this is what's happening like all around. This is where communities break down. If um, if a basketball team, for example, just coming from a basketball practice right now, so if a basketball team doesn't you know doesn't say a prayer together or something, and they begin to just try to manufacture or fabricate an experience of perfect friendship and perfect community mm-hmm. and perfect fraternity and perfect they're going dis- to they're going to disappoint one another cuz it's not the church it's not the church you know it's a basketball team um uh if if they begin to look to god together again they become like a little church and then again they, they now they have the now they get this perfect love coming into their relationship with each other and they now they're giving each other the freedom to be a little imperfect this is what I love about the church. It's hmm. it's not a place where finally I met people who are like perfect, so now I can be happy. Or finally I met people who live a you know live a way that I can you know I can confirm that everything they say and everything that they do is something that I would agree with and I would admire and I want to try to emulate. No, this is a people that looks to God together. So we have God's love coming into our relationship, and now we can give each other the freedom mm-hmm. to be imperfect. I know, Mon- I know Monsignor McDonald mm. doesn't want us to say it gives us the freedom to be wretches. But I actually I actually think there's some wisdom to the fact that, like, mm-hmm. yeah, like, I'm a mess. Like, <laughs> I'm not perfect. I fail. I'm a sinner. You know, but I've got God's love coming into my life and my relationship with these people. So I'm free to make those mistakes. I'm free to be imperfect because they don't need me to be perfect. Like, I'm hanging out with people now who have Jesus, so mm-hmm. they don't need me to be Jesus in a sense. They don't need me to be perfect in a sense. Or 
I'm with people. I'm associating closely with you guys and with Father Lachlan and Father Joe and so these guys, you know, Teresa, I mean, my friend Carrie. Like, I, I'm, I'm free now. When I'm with you guys, I don't, I don't feel the pressure. Of, I don't have to draw a perfect friendship out of either of you. You know, because like, we got Christ. Father Rob, I was thinking about this when you shared your story before about about when um, you came back from college and you started to get involved in your youth group. I've heard you tell that story before, and it resonates so much with me because I think my experience is similar. It's, you know, there is nothing wrong with having a, a group of friends that, you know, like I'm trying to think of some of the surface things like, you know, I have I have my group of friends that I can talk sports with and I have my group of friends that I could talk movies with and group of friends that I, and there's nothing wrong with that, but they're nothing, mm -hmm. nothing like my friendships in the church. And some of those friendships, you know, that are really based in some of those superfluous things are friendships that go back way, way longer than some of my my church friendships. But those church friendships are the ones that, like, you know, they, yeah. Yeah. I mean, even right now, even, like, right now, these, like, you and I, like, we don't, we didn't all come from the same place. We met in the church, and only a few years ago. Right. And and, and the, the thing that's, that's, that I wanted to say, though, is, like, it doesn't, it's not even just about, you know, discovering and, and God for the first time. Like, it's those friendships that sustain me and bring me back when I've, like fallen like you know you awesome. and i could have a a conversation as as we've had you know like you know in a parking lot somewhere or in one of our cars or on a podcast um having not spoken for for a while and in that time i could have like things could have gotten really stale and and kind of like petered out for me and i could have like really plateaued in my spiritual life but all it takes is that one conversation with someone like yourselves and you know, it's like I'm back. I'm to have back. It restored, renewed. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's, it really is. It's amazing. That's that's the communion. That's that's community. That's, that's the what communion. I want to create for the young people. Well, and that's what they want. I mean, gosh, what, what do they want? want? They want. Look at the, what they're dying for: friends, for likes, for acceptance, for tolerance, for they, whatever they want to call. So it. why is it so darn hard? <laughs> Be because we don't live it well. Yeah, like, that's because, part of it. Because we don't present the, it the, well. That's the other part it of it. Well. And we're dealing. We're we're we we're we're like salmon swimming against the the current. Like everything, everything that they see and hear and are told and taught, everything, everything goes against what we are yeah. offering them. So we are being portrayed in a way that says that we are against fun. We are against this. We are against that. But we are not against that. Right, here, we're, we're, out, we're for the just, greater version of it. Just today, we were with a bunch, of our, a bunch of our kids in the Life Center and the woman at the Life Center who was um, hosting us, teaching, about, teaching us about what they do, was asking our students why they belong to the Jana Club, which is our Respect Life Club, and all of them mentioned a person. In other words, when they were asked why they belong to this pro-life movement in the school, and they had to think about that, they were put on the spot too. They're like, uh, yeah. well, each, each one of them, in speaking about why they're pro-life and why they love the group and why they want it, they mentioned some person. Like, in other words, they belong to a, a friendship or a community. That's for them what this is. And that is, 
That is because it's what they want. And it's how and it's how this thing is communicated. It's the incarnation continued, right? I mean, this is how God coming to us through the humanity of Christ and continuing today to come to us through humanity. And yeah, so when I say we have to live it, we have to present not that we have to live perfectly. We don't we'll never live perfectly, not on this side of death. As C. S. Lewis says, right? You've been referencing him all night. C. S. Lewis says death is is an important part of the process to becoming perfect. But rather living together with Christ that's what's going to do it see we're all sort of spread out I mean I wish somebody with influences listening to this podcast could make they're not happen. <laughs> they're not no no I don't know but it's like you know, we have to be able to live in such a way where we are see we're all spread out right now trying to oh this is forget it I'm going to open up a whole other can yeah maybe we could save this for another time yeah it's I just think if we live together with Christ it will happen. He will communicate himself to the people with whom we come in contact. Like, you know, just bringing it back full circle to the high school students, you know, the elephant in the room is that the Marianist schools do well. Right? Father's showing you the fruit of one of their schools. Right. right. And at, I know that people in different religious communities have different religious styles and, you know, different sort of sensibilities and devotions. But at the end of the day, they're an attractive community because they live together with Christ at the center. And so, of course, there's a waiting list to get into their schools because they've got great teachers. Lots of schools have great teachers. They've got great athletics. Lots of great schools have great grounds and great athletics departments. But they've got a community that is very attractive. And not just that they want to belong to it for popularity's sake. Christ is drawing people into them because that's what he does. (laughs) I really believe that. Why are you laughing? It's true. No, I'm though, not right? laughing at you. I'm not laughing it's at you. True, right? I opened. Oh, I well, asked. Like my mom was texting me good night. Oh. And oh, okay. when I was going to respond to that, another text came in that was very funny. <laughs> oh, okay. So I'm not. I'm well, sorry. I, it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be an episode if I didn't get distracted at least once. Well, I think that's a good time to, to ask the final question, Father Sean. The question is, what did that text say that was so funny? Well, it's an interesting text because it, it well, oh, let me start. Oh. <laughs> well, I guess you'll never know what the text said. Nolan, you have any final words? Um, thanks for the great conversation, guys. I love talking to you guys. I love being with you. I look forward to being able to actually socialize with you in person. That will be much more fulfilling than this pseudo-conversation we have called podcasting, where there's always some sort of interface between us and our friendship with one another. <laughs> Thanks be to God that Christ <laughs> is immaterial as well, and the Holy Spirit can unite us, even though we constantly have these abstractions between us. But anyway, great night. <laughs> I will translate yes. that to everyone. Father Rob is saying, don't listen to our podcast and don't watch the videos that he posts. <laughs> <laughs> and God, but I think he did say time. contribute to our Patreon. <laughs> that's right. That doesn't exist. Just give money. No, to, but that's true. Give money to John McQuaid. Take, it's going to take more than a podcast. It's going to take more than a little two-minute video. No matter how cool the music is in the background, it's going to take the church, baby. The church. Yeah, and, these are all things. And, and ultimately, we're hoping these things are things that spark conversations. Right. I, exactly. I mean, we've all listened to podcasts that we've then talked to each other about what we heard 
on the podcast. So that's that's what the the podcast should be doing. That's why I think we, we 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 spend the beginning laughing because I mean, well, anyway, that's God. No, I hear you. I love I, and I like listening to you guys too because I feel like I can. I actually, when I talk to you now, I actually feel like I've been talking to you a little bit because mm. I, even though I haven't seen you in a long time, yeah. I mean, like we haven't actually crossed paths, but I I do appreciate the podcast because I feel I feel like I can I really do feel like I know where you are and how you're doing and everything. So I'm I'm appreciative of the role that it plays. Same thing with the videos. I, you know, it's cool. You can reach a lot of people, and like you say, it creates a little point in common so that when you do come together. We have a little common ground to, to stand on together, at least begin from. Amen. And God bless everyone who listened to this podcast. Because it was a marathon. You've been listening to the Untitled Catholic Podcast. See you next time.